Hey, I'm Charlie, and thanks for being here today. If you're already a subscriber to the show, thank you so much. You're incredible, and your support means more than you know. And if you're here for the first time, make sure you subscribe to the show, because today, like in every episode, I'm bringing you the most amazing, childless, child-free content on the internet that teaches you how to overcome those limiting beliefs you have about yourself and stop the self-sabotaging behaviors that are holding you back from embracing a life you deserve. You're listening to the Life Beyond Infertility Podcast with Charlie Dice, the show that teaches you how to get unstuck from the grief and loss of infertility so that you can accept and embrace a joyful life beyond it. Welcome back to another episode of the Life Beyond Infertility Podcast. I'm excited to have a special guest with us today, Erica Kadovic. She is a certified birth doula and therapist, and she runs the Mommy Healer on Instagram. So welcome, Erica. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You know, we talked beforehand, and even though you haven't been through infertility yourself, you do work with women that have. Um, I really kind of want to get a little bit about your backstory first and how you came to be in the doula and therapy space. I am a mom. And so that kind of introduced me to it when I was in grad school. Um, I went through kind of a traumatic birth. I started realizing there wasn't like a lot of help or like guidance because I was already in the mental health field. You know, I did the research for myself and I was like, wow, they don't guide you at all at these hospitals or um, medical centers. That kind of got me into the headspace of perinatal mental health. And then from going through that, I started finding this whole other world of infertility and the struggle. So I am an EMDR therapist. So I love focusing on trauma. And one thing that I found with infertility is that you almost get re-triggered with your trauma when your cycle doesn't come with birth loss and, and other situations like that. Of course, we deal with a lot of trauma, but it, I think people downplay how traumatic it can be to receive that negative test. Mm -hmm. It could be very traumatic. So as each month goes by, you're creating these negative cognitions in your head, right? So you're starting to feel negative by yourself. And that's when I see a lot of clients kind of start to isolate. Um, They don't want to get anyone's hopes up. They're scared to share. They feel like there's something wrong with them. Um, And as it happens, it's re-triggering the trauma month after month after month. And it becomes almost a downward spiral, kind of like a snowball effect. Um, which can be really detrimental to someone's mental health. And I think it's really downplayed a lot. Yeah. And I want to thank you for sharing that and bringing attention to it because I do think, and I teach, you know, people that I work with and just try to bring awareness to the fact that infertility grief is different than other types of grief because it is a constant, you know, trigger, as you said. I'm curious for the people that you work with is it the monthly periods? Is it the seeing pregnant women or pregnancy announcements on social media? What are some of the biggest triggers that people seem to have? So it's a mixture. I think it's a mixture of all it, which is why it's so complex. I had just yeah. actually posted about Halloween. I, I know some of my clients had issues with um, seeing the posts of everyone with their babies and their pumpkin outfits and all that. And it's like another year of me not having that. So that's a trigger. And then maybe two weeks later, they get their period again, or they have a negative test. So I think it's a big combination. I think as we age too, um, it starts to become where all of people's friends have children, and they feel very isolated. So it's like a whole different life that they're living. 
uh, part of them wants to incorporate themselves in their friends' lives and be there for them. But at the same time, it's very painful for them to be there. So it's hard for them to show up as like the auntie or whatever. It's really painful when when you yearn for that so badly. um, I can only imagine how it must feel. And it must, I know for, for a lot of my clients, they have this like, so I work a lot with negative cognitions and cognitive distortions with my clients that they start to build like this narrative in their head. Something's wrong with me. My body isn't effective. I should feel ashamed. And and especially even in the birth doula world, we we tell everyone, no, your body knows what it's doing. Don't worry. The woman's body is amazing. So when you start seeing things mm-hmm. like that, and then you're going through a place where you feel like you can't create a life, you're like, well, what's wrong with me if these people can do it, you know, and these negative cognitions and distortions, they get triggered by all of it. Even social media, sometimes I think really is a big thing too. I feel like social media is a double edged sword, right? Because Mm -hmm. it can be really helpful and inclusive and help you find your tribe. But it can also obviously be very cruel and hurtful, even unintentionally. But In terms of talking about that negative cognition, how do you guide your clients through some of that? thing is with EMDR, but some of the things you can do with yourself and and a lot of it is using CBT skills um, to see what you do with this negative cognition, negative thought. How do you act on it? Like um, move a muscle, change a thought. You know, I don't know if you've heard that, but like when you do that and you make the action to try to turn it the other way, it's kind of trying to say is like, If you call it out for what it is, it's a lot easier to move from it, right? So once you start Mm -hmm. addressing, like, I feel this way, you know, a lot of times it's even scary to say, I feel ashamed of my body, right? So when we start saying, I feel ashamed of my body and I don't want to feel that way, that's a huge step right there, right? And then working from there and telling yourself I shouldn't feel ashamed or every time I don't want to share this story or I don't want to let anyone in, maybe I should try a little bit. Even if it's uncomfortable, it, cha- it starts changing your narrative inside, right? Because you start seeing acceptance from other people because no one's going to be mean about it. I mean, there obviously it's instances, but most likely, more than not, if you're telling a good friend, they're going to be supportive of you and your journey. But a big thing for me is EMDR. So with EMDR, what we do is we reprocess traumatic, traumatic situations. Some of them may not be as traumatic as you think they are, but they've left a big imprint in you. So I usually do a body scan with everyone. We check what, what's going on with our body. You know, we go from the head to the feet. Do you feel any pressure, tension anywhere? And then from that tension, we go, okay, like, well, when was the last time you felt that? You know, and then we go back and back and back. And some of these negative cognitions were from our childhood. And then we, what happens is as we grow older, we start gaining evidence for this negative belief and thought, Right. And that that feeling, that self-defeating feeling is intensified, especially when you're going through something like infertility. Um, so when that's intensified and you're going through that, we kind of start addressing from childhood and then go all the way forward. And we start working through reprocessing the memories, but in a healthy way, understanding that, you know, this is what the situation is. And it's very unfortunate, of course, but it has nothing to do with, with anything, you know, anything regarding your character, your personality, you're not defective. We work from there. So it's a long journey and process and it's very hard going through it. But I, I find that a lot of people get a lot of relief from EMDR. But that's my favorite is doing EMDR. 
And I'm sorry, like, I just don't, because I'm not a therapist or anything, yeah. but what is EMDR? Can you just so kind of EMDR define that? EMDR is eye movement desensitization reprocessing. So what happens is, well, let me just start. The first person that created it was running um, in a park <laughs> and they started thinking about a traumatic situation. As they were thinking, they were looking back and forth, back and forth. And they realized they started like creating a better memory, I guess. They started reprocessing the memory reprocessing the memory the emotions tied with the memory didn't feel as painful and from there um i believe it's dr shapiro that's where emdr got created so a lot of people use the eye movement i like to use bilateral tapping which is kind of like the butterfly tap um, but it's just dual stimulation it kind of okay. tricks your brain into reprocessing and getting out of that fight or flight mode so you can process it in a healthy way a lot of times when we process these negative traumatic situations you're in either fight flight or freeze so when you're mm -hmm. processing it in a healthier way when you reflect back on it it's not going to be like when you think of something sad or, or traumatic in your past a lot of times you feel like that like gut-wrenching feeling in your chest and like you know you just like get sweaty and clammy when you reprocess it through emdr a lot of times when you think back it's like a story that happened and you know it happened to you you don't forget any of the memory but you don't have these right. like gut-wrenching feelings associated with it you're able to process it in the way that you don't feel um, these negative physical reactions emotional reactions you're able to talk about it a lot of people that weren't able to talk about a certain trauma they're able to talk about it even in large crowds um, which is amazing to see but it is really hard to go through because sometimes it does bring up memories it triggers dreams for the next few days after i have all my clients journal about what's going on have you had any negative dreams anything coming up and stuff will start coming up some stuff that you don't even remember <laughs> happened to you yeah. so it's it's a scary journey but once you get through it it's really beautiful to see gotcha no i appreciate you shedding light on that and defining it for me and maybe some of the listeners that haven't heard that term before and i think that it's really important to kind of give people options for mm -hmm. different types of therapy that might work for them. You know, everybody kind of reacts to things differently. You know, I just want to thank you for sharing that and for bringing awareness. Another question I have from your doula experience, you touched on it a little bit earlier, but do you see now as a therapist coming from the doula world, the toxic positivity that's around you know, infertility, like you mentioned, as far as I see, women were giving birth. I see a yeah, lot of like, different things. And it's not only just associated with infertility. It could also be with like postpartum depression, or, anxiety, and mood disorders. It's infertility. Um, it's not, at least for me, let me just be honest, pregnancy and childbirth and even postpartum wasn't like rainbows and butterflies like I imagined it to be. It was mm -hmm. very emotional. I had a very traumatic birth. It was even traumatic afterwards. Of course, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing that happens. Um, but I wish maybe someone was more realistic with me um, and explained some of those things with me. Maybe if I would have reached out to some of these Instagrams that I'm starting to see now that I'm in this space, but I, I didn't even know a lot of this stuff was out there, right? So yeah. I just see, you know, your body's going to do it. You don't have to worry about anything, you know? Your body's strong enough. And when your body starts failing you, you start thinking like, well, what's wrong with me? Yeah. So I, I do see that in a way. And I do think the female body is very strong and is able to do things that you can't even explain. But I think there also has to be a little bit of reality shed that could also help someone when, when it doesn't go right. Yeah. And what do you tell your clients who have had that experience, whether they've been pregnant or not and gone through a birth or not, that 
did have a traumatic birth experience or a traumatic pregnancy that people around them were just telling them, oh, don't give up. It's going to be fine. Your body knows what to do. How do you kind of work through know, kind of that, like I said, toxic positivity. I make them all lay the facts out there, right? Your body was still very strong and did a lot of things. It's it's not that it's Mm -hmm. it's a false narrative, but it doesn't mean that you were defective. There's stuff, you know, this is life isn't perfect. So we we kind of like differentiate the both. And that's what we go from there. Um, Because that's just the situation and reality we live in right now. But yeah, that's pretty much all I do is kind of lay the facts out there. And then we look at the, the strengths that still came through, right? And we just acknowledge that part of you that's not defective. I don't think it, it's any sort of defective. It's just life, <laughs> you know? Yeah, life is messy. Yes. <laughs> A lot of us within the fertility space, and I think just women in general, um, we have trouble setting healthy boundaries. And for the clients that you work with, whether they've gone through infertility or not, do you have like three or even two kind of techniques that you help them with as far as how to set healthy boundaries? I've had clients where we've had to set boundaries, you know, for family members um, and for themselves in relationship. And I use a lot of like psychoeducation. So I explain what different kinds of boundaries are. Um, There's the permeable ones where we kind of allow things to come free flow into it. Um, But if there's something that you're not tolerant of, I, I make them write it down. You're going to write everything down. And if someone comes across your life where they cross that boundary, that's not maybe a person that you need in, at least in this moment, because if you have certain boundaries, that's how you protect your peace. That's how you protect your space. And most of the times, you know, when we're setting these boundaries, they've, they've gone through so much growth to get there, to even address that they need the boundaries set, that I don't want them to allow someone to come and kind of write wreck that growth if that makes sense but mostly i just have them write it down we will practice like what are you going to say if someone says this or what do you say if someone says this we do role playing we catch up the following session and we kind of go through like yeah maybe that was that's okay for right now but usually it's not the case if someone someone has a set boundary that that we we address that this will never be crossed that's something i really push i think it's very empowering for women to be able to set those boundaries and not let someone cross them even if it's just having a talk with that person. And sometimes like people, people are human as well. They don't realize that they're crossing this firm of a boundary. Um, So when they have that talk, I think it's very healing also for my clients to have a talk and feel heard and feel empowered and be like, wow, if I, you know, I I was so scared that they were going to react the wrong way, but, but they didn't. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times as women, Especially, we kind of expect people to know what we need without saying it. And I think that's maybe something that we all should work on is like people aren't going to just automatically know what mm-hmm. you need. So you have to speak up about it and, you know, talk to those people. And if they aren't receptive to that, then that's maybe when you have to set some of those boundaries. Exactly. Yes, definitely. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's something a lot of people struggle with. And it gets to the point where, you know, with infertility specifically, where, where you see that shutdown happen, right? When you have all these people asking you questions, what's going on, especially, I'm thinking right now, because the holidays are coming up, that, that's a big time when people don't really respect boundaries, don't respect privacy. That's very triggering. In this space, you have to, you have, I, I just like to empower the women Whatever boundary you set is okay. If that's what's going to protect your space and your peace, I 
I'm 100% backing you on it. I think that's great. And I really appreciate you being an advocate for people that even if you haven't experienced what they've experienced, being a support system for them and kind of meeting them where they're at. In your bio, you talked about infertility maybe being downplayed in the trauma therapy space. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of talk about what you mean by that and what you see a therapist to therapist? Yeah, maybe it's not necessarily downplayed per se, because a lot of people do acknowledge that it, that it is a trauma. I think it's overlooked a lot. Um Someone may be going through infertility and going to therapy for other reasons. And people don't attribute that as like, wow, they're literally being triggered every four weeks. And I think part of that is, is, you know, in school, we never learned about it. Okay. Um, In grad school, I never learned about anything maternal mental health. I had to go, uh, I did trainings through the ASRM. I did trainings, ESI. Um, So I'm going through all these trainings and that's how I learned about it. But in grad school, they don't really teach you. So it's really easy to overlook certain situations like that. That It's not that they're not advocated as advocated for. But I think what happens is, especially right now, mental health is just breaking the stigma. People are just starting to get mm-hmm. help and go through therapy. So this maternal mental health is just right behind it. So it's just about to break that barrier, but it hasn't gotten so yet. And I think what happens is women and and everyone they they see you know women have been having babies for years that's how we reproduce it's just part of life Uh, they don't realize anything that goes along with it and that's why it's not talked about because you know our grandparents our parents never spoke about any of this our aunts and uncles that may have been dealing with infertility never spoke about this it's just something that was never spoken about so when it happens to someone else, you're like, okay, well, we just don't speak about this. Maybe I'm just abnormal. Maybe there's something weird going on with me. And it feels weird and icky. And sometimes they don't, even the people going through it don't understand that they even have to reach out for help because they, they're they going through that shameful process or they feel like something's wrong with them and there's no way someone can help me feel better. So I think more of the spreading the awareness into like the field is where it's going to start to grow traction. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, actually. For those students that are going through grad school to become therapists and stuff, is there anything that we as a community that have been through infertility could do to help kind of bring awareness to that, that it needs to be more of a topic of conversation, at least with therapists that are, you know, up and coming so to speak. yeah um you know I've actually been thinking about a lot of that myself like kind of brainstorming um, I think it's very like I said it's it's overlooked so I don't really know exactly how to get into there because that's something that I've also thought about um yeah but I think even just you know how we said social media has that double-edged sword even social media um, it's such a big thing right now that's how we communicate mm-hmm. to everyone even the news um so that's just one, you know maybe it's like a small step but it's one step towards the right direction bringing awareness being open about it um, the people that have worked through it and have gotten to this point where i feel like like i feel like you've reached a level of acceptance from what i've seen um, and you're mm-hmm. able to open up and share and all that that's that's you're using your platform i feel like in a in a great way and that starts reaching other people and then there could be a therapist online scrolling through Instagram and they're like, wow, I didn't even realize that oh, they are starting to make more trainings through the ASRM and PSI and all these different, different mental health organizations and reproductive health organizations. So that's pretty cool too. It's just like a new thing that's coming up. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, that's exciting for someone like me who's been through it, who's also been to therapy, but my experience was, and I've, the, you know, I've talked to a lot of people that their experience was because their therapist hadn't been through it. You know, there was always kind of that disconnect. Mm-hmm. And so it, it would be nice to kind of train this next generation of therapists to at least recognize that it is more traumatic than maybe initially, you know, is taught. Uh, but also to just kind of be more aware of it, like you said. Yeah, the awareness is a huge thing. And definitely, I think it's not talked about enough, the different things that could be so traumatic, all the different triggers. So a lot of people just kind of see like this overview, like, wow, yeah, that's really traumatic. They couldn't have a kid and they really wanted one. That's just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much underlying in that relationships, what you imagined your life to look, your future. There's just so many different things rearranging your life, um, going through the hormonal changes. If you're going through infertility treatments, there's just so many stressors that go along with it that I don't think people are are even can fathom. I can't even fathom it because I haven't gone through it, but I've done a lot of trainings and research on it and spoken to a lot of women. So I I am starting to get an idea. I don't think I'll ever feel exactly how I'll be in your shoes, but I can only imagine how hard that is. Yeah, well, I think on behalf of myself, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners out there, like I do, I want to thank you genuinely for bringing awareness to it as a therapist, because I think it is overlooked, like you said, and for the work that you're doing on your social media page and within your your business, it really means a lot to have somebody that even though you haven't been through it, cares enough to research and educate yourself about it. I, I really want to thank you for Thank you. Thank you. I love to hear that. <laughs> Makes me feel like I'm doing at least something. <laughs> Absolutely. We're all kind of trying to do our parts here and mm-hmm. we definitely appreciate it. I do always like to ask my guests this towards the end of the, the interview. I know you haven't been through infertility, but just as a woman, like if you could tell your 18 year old self anything looking back, what would you say to that girl? This is a good question. <laughs> you know what's <laughs> funny is I've done a lot of inner child work with myself and now I'm like, oh my God, but what I tell myself, oh, I was really scared of the world at 18. And I think I would just kind of tell myself to have a little bit more faith. What's meant for me will come from, you know, to me. And I'm a little bit spiritual. So that that side comes out. It would just be to have faith. I was having a tough time at 18. So it's funny that you say that eight with, with a lot of mental health issues. So for me, it's kind of keep trucking through. It's going to be okay. Other people will be there to guide you along the way. You're not alone. Reach out for help, support, and whatnot like that. Yeah, that's perfect. I, I love that <laughs> answer. I think, you know, 18 is really tough. I'm not sure why I initially picked that age for the question. I think because it's such a pivotal time in a lot of people's lives. We're From just teenager out to of, adulthood. <laughs> yeah. And it's just a really awkward, you know, you really have, you feel like you know what you're doing, but you really have no clue. And so it's always interesting to hear what people say that looking back, they would say to themselves, yeah, that's a great answer. I want to thank you for your time today. And oh, if people so want much. to reach out to you and get a hold of you or just find out more information, where's the best place to connect with you? Probably on Instagram because I have my links in there and you can always DM me or message me. But my Instagram is the mommy healer. So it's at the mommy healer. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, thank you again so much for the work that you're doing and for being a guest today. Yeah, this has been really fun. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. 
Thanks for listening. You're incredible, and I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you haven't done so already, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss when a new episode airs. And the other thing I want you to do after listening to this episode is this. Visit my website, charliedice.com backslash roadmap. That's where you'll find my free gift for you. It's a little download I put together with six steps you can take right now to start embracing a joyful life outside of infertility. Again, that's charliedice.com backslash roadmap.